Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Queued Up Esports. This is D'Angelo, aka D'Anthrax, and I'm joined here today with. I'm Nick Esposito, also known as Monkonky Banana. We got Freddie Bones over here. Last but not least, we have Bonkaroonie, also known as Michael Eagle. And this is uh, an ASMR stream now. Ooh, ASMR, episode 10. Longevity of an esports player. I'm not doing <laughs> ASMR anymore. <laughs> I, was, I was ready. <laughs> Imagine, just the whole episode, just ASMR. Oh. That's the <laughs> competitive ASMR. Tell me uh, tell me what you think about this, uh, D'Angelo. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it's just like, yeah, like, and then we have, like, a ranking system. There's an ELO rating for ASMR. Like, we can do this. All right, longevity of an esport player. Featuring Bonkaroonie. Uh, hey, why did we bring player? Yeah, why did we? Why do we bring Bonkaroonie on? Yeah, uh, Mike, how about you uh, do a little introduction on your on yourself, a little background? Sure. So I am a 32 year old, which is important for the uh, discussion of today. <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> Don't worry about it too much. Same. Um, I have been playing competitive games since. I actually started, and I don't even know if Nick knows this, but I started in World of Warcraft Arena. Ooh, um, I did actually know this. Yeah, I was top 20 on their first Arena Tournament Realm. Um, lost out to going to BlizzCon by losing to uh, Hafu's team, who some people might know who she is. Um, but yeah, so that's where I started. And then I picked up StarCraft II. Um, that's where I had my quote-unquote I guess most success, you know, I was, I was at the level um, that a lot of people get to where they, they get just good enough to know just how bad they are. <laughs> so we did that. I was an NA grandmaster. I got to travel a little bit for it. Um, I've also played magic the gathering competitively in my more recent years. And yeah, that's, that's me. Awesome. Sick. Cool. 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 All right, so yeah, as we said, the topic of discussion today is the longevity of an esports player. Um, I mean, people think of video games, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's for kids or whatever. But I mean, people have started making a career out of playing uh, games competitively, whether it be like shooters, uh, strategy-based games, MOBAs, fighting games, whatever. Um, so we kind of want to dive into that topic and see like what we think the average age for like the esports competitor what that is before we started this uh three of us outside of uh anthrax we uh we talked about it a little bit what did uh what do we all think the average age for uh esports competitor was so i was thinking like 23 years old i was going a little low right yeah i i put it at mid-20s but i thought it would be very very game dependent yeah that's uh, a good point i do think it's game dependent as well I can definitely see that. I uh oh my phone just went off. Uh time to throw that away. Yeet. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> uh I uh I kind of went with uh 25, so mid 20s as well. What do you uh what do you think, D'Angelo? So I I may be a little biased here because I spent a little bit of time in the League of Legends uh, community. Um I'm going to say uh it's 19. 19. <laughs> And here's the deal. This is why I also thought it was low. Because, yeah, a lot of those people are fucking infants. So, all right. Yeah. Re real quick. Uh, I'm 29. I'm going to be 30 in a couple months. Mike, you, you already said you were 32. Felipe's 32. Uh, D'Angelo, you're what, 31? I'm 31, turning 32 this year. Yeah. So, God, we're ancient. So all of us are, you know, quote-unquote old men. And by your standard, you're saying, like, the average age for a competitor is 19 years old despite the fact that you still play competitively at 31 so that's like really interesting to me i i have more thoughts on that later but i can i can i can add them up after i can or i can add them to the conversation after we we go on oh yeah definitely definitely so we uh we we, we googled this beforehand because i don't know why we didn't think to do this sooner but uh -huh. yeah we just typed in like what's the average age of an esports competitor and on uh statista.com they have average age of selected esports game player in north america in 2015 dota 2 25 smite 
25. League of Legends, 26. And, uh, Call, huh. Call of, of Professionals? Duty, yes. Uh, and Call of Duty, 27. Huh. So, like, this, this might is not based be... off of 2015 data, if yeah. that makes a difference, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might not just be, like, top-level professionals, but this is, like, what the average, like, competitor, what their age is. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's the assumption. It's hard to say exactly, because the data is, I don't know. I feel like it isn't a lot of, like, all the information. Right, yeah, like, I mean, we're, on this page, we're just looking at, like, bar graphs. Like, it says you can put players, in these bar like, graphs. It says esports players of these games, right? Yeah. But, like, those games are considered esports, and does that count everybody playing the game, or does it count specifically the people that are competing, you know, for, in, in events, right, in tournaments? Right. Um, they don't specify, so it's hard to say. But I, I'm making the assumption that it's only people that are competing for money just because they use the word esports in it. I feel like if it was just games or like competitive games or something like that, I think I, I would lean towards the other way, but they using the word esports makes the assumption that it's people playing for money. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. Um, so yeah, take the, take that number as what you will, but like the average age was around like 26, 27. Yeah. I feel like five years later, or four, whatever, four and a half years later, I think it went down. There's no way it's real anymore. Maybe it's just me being weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see like a um, uh, like Apex Legends chart for that, or like a game that is like very, just a year or two old yeah, like versus very, very, a game like League. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll revisit this with like better data, or like after I edit this episode down, I'll uh, I'll look for like more information on that and include it in the written segment sure so yeah like we got like the uh the average age what we thought what those actual quote-unquote real numbers are so who are some of like the older players that still compete at this level like at at a competitive level go out to tournaments make money do all this good shit like what do we what do we think about that so uh for me I think that it's actually like relatively different because they, they didn't list a specific age for FGC, did they? No. Um, and no, I, I, I had to pull it up because I needed to make sure, right? But there, there was a thing that was floating around a while ago about like the average age of like some of the Japanese professionals. Right. Um, and I, I have like some of them up here right now. And this is like, this is for the ones that are still competing, right? Yeah. So Daigo Umehara, how old do you think he is? I don't know, like 36. Oh. I'm going to go with 35. I know he's in his mid-30s. I just uh, don't know where. Daigo is 38. Oh, damn. Wow. Yeah, so Daigo is, is 38 and still doing well in tournament. I was going to say, uh, he was at just the last Capcom Cup, right? Uh, Yeah, like he uh, actually... No, he was at uh, he was at one of the tournaments you went to. I he think. was at yeah, like he like Capcom Cup wasn't something he qualified for, but there there were still a lot of people that did qualify on like on this list, right? So Takedo is 34. Justin Wong is also 34. Uh, Fudo is 34. Uh, Luffy, who is the um, the French uh, Evo champion, um, is 33. Gamer B is surprisingly 40. Whoa. Uh, Kazunoko is yeah. Kazunoko is 31, and Momochi is 33, and Infiltration is 34. So there's a and uh, Shien is 29, like the youngest of like technically considered like part of the new school right so like yeah. he's he's yeah. younger than all of like the the uh, the venerated japanese pros um some of the some of them are even older than that right like i think that um itazan is around like 39 and um uh, who else like machibo is in his like is in his 30s um and it'll be in, like i could go find numbers on this right for other games right but i know that uh, ogawa who plays guilty gear uh, he's been playing his character for like twenty years, so that's yeah. all. He's, he's probably <laughs> he's probably in his thirties. I was I would say. I always forget how old the game Guilty Gear is. Yeah, right. So like, there's for fighting games, right? Like, there's there's a lot of legacy there that and that older players traditionally still they are able to compete uh, with, especially with some of like the younger players, right? Like the Knuckle Doos and like the Punks, right? Like. These guys are like 18 and, and 20, right, and just like killing it. Um, but is that the exception to the rule or the norm? I'm not. I'm not sure, right? I, I, 
I, just I would wonder say for, this. Uh, I wonder for every for every Daigo and not and skill level and age level, right? For every yeah. Daigo, how many you know how many burned out and can't play anymore? Yeah, right? like or that's, just can't keep up, right? Maybe they're just slower and just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good question to ask. So, yeah, whether or not, yeah, we uh, we have it kind of like a little bit further down on the list. Uh, you know, reflexes versus experience, but like, I mean, we're at that point. Why not talk about it? we get? We well, hold have, on. Like, before we get there, yeah. Before we get there, hold on. Um, I also looked up um, average age for Overwatch because um, Bonk said, you know, a game that came out a few years ago, um, and when the Overwatch League came out, it was about two years ago. The oldest player was born in '89. The youngest player was born in 2000. Wow. This is uh, two years ago, so he would have been 18 at the time. Um, That's crazy. And the average though was 1995, meaning right now they're about 20 to, or 24 to 25 years old, depending on when in 1995. But the average player is between 24 and 25 years old for Overwatch League. Right. Yeah. So that mid 20s kind of like stands up. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring yeah. that into the game because that's a more recent game. Yeah. So I actually I want to jump in with some um, some culture thoughts on this too. So I, as I mentioned, the majority of my time was spent in um, StarCraft II play. And StarCraft II had this really interesting culture about it um, because we were so dominated by Korean culture. Um, And in Korea, there's mandatory military service when you're a South Korean citizen. And it's something you have to do before the age of 30. And so since they've had a thriving scene since the beginning of Brood War, there was actually like a defined life cycle for a professional player that went from the age of 19 to about 30 where they chose to do their military time. And then when they'd come back, um, like a lot of times they just couldn't get back into the game for and pass them by. You know, some people thought, oh, they were slower. Sometimes it was just, you know, the knowledge, like very few of them actually were able to come back after their military service. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a whole story about how they tried to make a military team, um, which I'm not going to go into. But yeah, it actually had like a very defined age, like, in the same way that like a lot of professional sports do, it was it was nineteen to thirty was that was your professional career. Mm-hmm. Fighting games stand the test of time. That's true. Yeah. So, on the topic of uh, experience versus you know reflexes, youth versus you know, uh, I can't think of a experience. better word for experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, like I I look at it from like the FGC can, uh, aspect, and it's like there's not a lot of technical skill that goes into it. There is like some, but as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of, uh, mental aspects of the game. Whereas something like Starcraft is, it's very technical. Like you have to have good reflexes. You have to have good finger dexterity to play that game. I mean, reflexes are still very relevant in most fighting games. So many things are frame perfect. Or at least, like, your window of opportunity is, is determined by 60th of a second. Yes, but I don't think it's at the pace that someone has to play oh, StarCraft. Oh, I'll 100% agree with that. Uh, because of the APMs are so high, um, I'll agree with that. The pacing is way higher in StarCraft. There's um, there's something that I remember Bonk telling me, like, a while ago. Um, or maybe maybe it told it to someone else, and that person told it to me. But, like, through word of mouth, it had to have come from... Uh, from Mike because he's the only StarCraft player that I know. But essentially, right, like APM in, in StarCraft, it was the idea, right, that if you're doing more moves over time, it trends that you make better moves and that you can make better moves over a longer course of time if you're taking more actions, right? Or is that like a day nine quote or something like that? Like, do you know explicitly what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, there's this idea um, of, like, uh, click it's click accuracy in StarCraft 2. Because there's APM, which is actions per minute, which is, like, the base speed a professional player needs to move. But then there's also click accuracy. But if you're making 300 actions <clears throat> per minute, you have three times as many opportunities to make a good move than you do if you make 100 actions per minute, right? So your yeah. click accuracy can can falter if you keep your pace up whereas if you don't have the speed you rely more on intelligent moves and you do see in starcraft 2 like a lot of times as a player goes through their career they do become slower but they also become like craftier 
Yeah. Um, so you'll see like the young players are usually very mechanically sound and the older players are usually like tactically or strategically sound. sound. Yeah. And I, I think like that's like that's like that that dichotomy between like reactions versus experience, like in a nutshell, right? And right. It, it may be that it's just more prevalent in a game like StarCraft for to to explain because of how not necessarily like uh like it, it's i feel like it's very polarizing you either have the apm or you don't and if you don't how can you how can you make that up right and it's it's just by experience and, and decision making right uh, no it's true so mike as a as a starcraft 2 player what would you say is more valuable uh, between reflexes and knowledge? Yeah. Yeah, so I think... Or, I guess, decision-making skills. Uh, knowledge is so broad. Right. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, I think it's a little more complex than that. Um, yeah. for, for a StarCraft II player, you basically, you have to have, like, a minimum skill level to compete right. at, the, at a high level. Um, and that is something that is very high. And, like, a lot of times, back in my back in my day right um when people come to me and ask for coaching the first thing i would literally do is be like you need to get faster before i can even explain strategy to you right um you're you're just you know you're not spending your money you're not uh macroing correctly and it's because you're too slow and i'd have them play like different types of games like dance dance revolution was a great game to play to set pace if you were trying to be a professional starcraft player um so yeah, I so I think there's like a, a minimum skill, but once you hit that, man, it's tough. StarCraft was such a unique game. Um, no, but I, I do think I I definitely feel that because I can kind of draw like the same comparison for competitive melee. Same, because people can like pick up like melee and they're like, oh yeah, like I played Super Smash Brothers as a kid. But there's like a certain level of tech skill you need to even consider competing, and it's like right. super high especially if you're playing like some of the top tier characters right there's a there's a third aspect i feel that a lot of people aren't considering in the the uh the battle between young and old and and i think that comes down to like i'm trying to figure out how to word it right but i'll just i'll just say like everything right like confidence and brashness that a younger player has over a more wary like older player sometimes pays dividends right like the the risks that a younger player is willing to take like can make the game look way more exciting than it actually sure. is but if they pay off they also like they 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 pay off and they they seem flashy and you you can see that right you can see the gigantic risk that this dude take uh that this person takes to uh to win a situation whereas it's not as flashy when an older player plays safely and does the right thing and is able to capitalize off of short instances over a longer period of time whereas if a a younger player who's more brash is able to risk more in a situation or do something that like that's more courageous right like walking up like full screen and throwing you right like those are things that you would attribute to younger players and it's that's way more prevalent in in fighting games and i don't know how prevalent that is for like smash or like other uh, forms of esports but it's something you definitely see uh, as being a a very defined, um, I guess, like a uh, like a bil- like way to sh- like define what the older generation looks like as opposed to the newer generation. Sure. So here's the thing: in melee, I feel as I've gotten older, I've become more confident in taking risks. I I constantly talk about how I am uh, like I I always want to stay in neutral, and like the longer I'm in neutral, the more like I'm comfortable. But that's just because I'm older and slower and neutral is easier for me to play. But if there's a risky situation and I can evaluate, like, I have the experience to evaluate that risk much more than someone who's, like, you know, coming into the game hot and they're just, like, playing the game fast. If they're, like, off the stage, I, like, I know what options are available to them and what are available to me and I can take that risk and, like, push it further. Mm-hmm. and I don't know and it it comes with like another aspect of like tournament nerves and things like that 
I remember when I was 16 years old going to tournaments, I was nervous all the time. Like, right. Cause I'm playing against people that like have been playing the game way longer than me and know way more shit than I do. And are probably just outright better than me. But as I get older, I'm like, yeah, there are people out here better than me, but like, I still know a lot and I don't care if they're better than me. There's I'm also gonna, people I'm, worse than you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like definitely experience in a public setting like that, uh, where eyes are on you is also something that favors the older player more than the newer player. Yeah, I also, and this is going to make me sound old, but um, We're to, to, old jump on, to jump on like the camp of things that favor newer players, um, when you go beyond just reflexes, um, just literal physical tournament stamina is a thing that... <laughs> oh, totally. Like, if you don't play games competitively, you don't appreciate the lifestyle of, like, all right, I'm going to get in my car with my buddies after work. We're going to drive 10 hours. We're going to sleep two hours. We're going to play 14 hours. We're going to sleep two hours. We're going to, like, you just can't. No, yeah. It's not the same anymore. (laughs) My, uh, I will will tell you that my body somehow still puts up with me doing that. But the question always remains, right? How, How much longer, right? Right. So, I mean, I, I can't help but think back to uh, that one, uh, not just one, the two times after work where you and I were playing Street Fighter and then Eunice for hours, and Allie's like, I really need to leave, and you guys are playing on my setup, and it, we've already played 150 games. <laughs> All right, yeah, Jeez. so there were there were two times where um, Allie had her setup at, um, at our job, and after work, right, it's like five, six o'clock and everyone's like finished. And so Nick and I decide like, all right, well, we're going to play and we're going to get on. And but what ends up happening is we're there for six more hours. Nick, Nick <laughs> has no Nick has no like stop button. And that's good for me because he's willing to just like he's willing to go and I'm willing to go. And so we just sat down and played. And as long as he wants to play, I'm still willing to play. So we played like a first to like 75 in Street Fighter. Allie fell asleep in the back, right? Woke up, it was 11 p.m. And we were like, Allie, we're really sorry. We're we're never going to do this again. And then two weeks later, we we did 150 (laughs) games of Eunice. And like, we were just like, and I don't know why we decided to do that, but it was just upsetting. Like both of us were just like, all right, we're going to, we're going to work this out. We're going to figure this game out. Right. But like that being said, both of us have now played Eunice well enough to the point where we can beat everybody else in the office. So it was, it was worth it. I remember like that was that was the only Eunice training I've ever had. And then I went back and I played uh, Tyrone the next day and I uh, I like three owed him. So I was like, all right, cool. Like we got there. Amazing. Um, but, and that's after an entire day's work both times. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Six, six days, six hours, right? Like clock in, clock out. It was it was twelve o'clock and she had like fallen asleep on a couch. We had to wake her up and we're like, "Hey, it's it's time to go." And she's like, "I'm I don't know." She's like, "I'm so sorry." We said we weren't going to do this again. Then we again. <laughs> yeah. So that, <laughs> two things I want to add is one um, on the opposite note. No, I know D'Angelo. You and I have talked about um, how getting back from a tournament, we're both just like, where we don't. We don't feel like we used to at the end of it. No. I, I don't think no. I think I need another day because I can't work like this. Right. Yeah. But to to compliment Nick's stamina again, I remember when we went to uh Dreamhawk Montreal two years ago. <laughs> and so I was going for StarCraft and Nick was going for Smash. So we kinda we got to the venue and Nick jumped in with the Smash players and we kinda parted ways. And I, I went, I played for a while. I was like, okay, I'm getting kind of burnout. This was the day before the actual tournament went ate some food talked to some old friends played again like a second practice session came back nick hadn't moved like he was at the same movie just grinding games sounds like nick yes hey i did move i just moved to other setups and then ended up back on that last one that's fair that's fair i totally believe that so here's the deal though those fighting games um and smash you're doing that, but you're doing that in individual tournaments at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, usually uh, in the course of a weekend. Yeah. It's, um, or, I'm like, not, the one night in the office. I, I definitely can attest to the fact that when I was 16, 17 years old, I was training after school every day, like, for hours. I yeah. can't do that anymore. <laughs> that's that's my point. Yeah. So, because, like, a lot, of, a lot of 
players in professional teams now, like they're they're practicing every single day um, for like twelve to fifteen hours every single day, and that's that's a big difference. Yeah, right. And it's it's not even just that it's practice, and it's that it's good solid practice. Like it's when I yeah, when I played StarCraft two, I would. I set my alarm at three in the morning so I could wake up and watch Korean games and like learn things. And I go back to sleep. I, when I even go to like study now, it takes my brain longer to learn the things I'm trying to learn from the other players. So in essence, my practice takes me longer to get the same benefit. Mm. Maybe this is just a sad story of how I'm dying, but (laughs) all the podcast is going to be, but like, yeah, I just, I see, you know, like a young 19 year old player who just like picks it all up so quick and can grind those extra three hours every day. And you know, the advantage I have is he's never going to have played the game at the points I've played it in the past where it was different. He's not going to bring that like ancestral knowledge with him, but you know, as the game changes, he can pick up and adapt to the new changes. I think maybe quicker than, than someone like I can. Yeah. All right. We've, we've kind of like, dive deep on that topic uh let's move on to the next topic of um what uh what causes some of these older players to retire sure yeah i think i mean i'll start with again the starcraft 2 thing wrist injuries were a prominent thing um for players jump on that later yeah i linked a i linked a story here about one jadong who is a a story of a player greatest Second greatest Brood War and StarCraft II player maybe ever, because um, people think would say Boxer's the greatest, but just like... Is this the uh, the ESPN article? Yeah. Yeah, just like that war he fought with himself to, to continue playing through his injuries, and he has retired at this point um, because of his injuries. Yeah, I just want to say, whoever wrote this article, like, really painted the picture very well. Uh, the first line is a quote, uh, and it's, I've been playing for 15 years now, my body's wearing out. And that, like, that, like, at the front just automatically hits you and resonates with me as a player, where it's like, shit, I've been playing the game for a long time, and, like, my body is actually getting slower. Right. <laughs> and then the next, like, paragraph is, his eyes are bloodshot, his face pained, his tone is subdued, his voice a half whisper. Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's you. (laughs) Like, it's really painting the picture that, like, this guy is old. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's, like, a a story here for for people who want to take on this journey, and it's it's take care of yourself, right? One of the one of the biggest edges Korean players had when esports started growing is that American players were like, oh yeah, you know, we're we're playing esports and they were good, but they'd like, you know, go out drinking or they'd eat crappy food right. and then they just play for a couple hours. Whereas Classic. Koreans were like, I work out for three hours, play for five, work out for three, and that was a that was an edge, and it's also why some of these players had that longevity. Right. As far as the uh, the wrist injuries um, you mentioned. Like, we had a player in Smash Hacks who also had a pretty big wrist injury. Um, and he had to get surgery for it uh, and was out of the game. Or at least he wasn't out of the game, but he wasn't playing the same. How about that? Mm-hmm. After his surgery for the longest time. He eventually had to change controllers to a fight stick style controller for Smash Brothers that he created himself. Um, because that was the only way for him to be able to play at the level he wanted to without further reducing or without further increasing the damage to his wrists. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I think he created the box. I think he was the one responsible for box V O X X, which uh, which is the controller he made. But like, mm-hmm. he was gonna be out of the game. Um, he could not compete anymore because of his wrist wrist injury, and he had to go through surgery for it. And even after surgery, he still wasn't there. So like, that's how real that is. Yeah, and I know um, I know you have uh, some personal experience with this as well, Mike. If you want to uh, dive into that. Yeah, I mean, I I. Um... I took a year of my life where I wanted to take StarCraft as seriously as I possibly could. And towards the end of it, I started developing serious wrist pain and I was just, you know, I was young and I was like, ah, it'll be fine. And I developed carpal tunnel, didn't realize it, played through it for several months um, and ended up with nerve damage in one of my hands from it. Uh, I was very lucky at the time because I worked at a university. So I got access to uh, university healthcare. 
there was a lot of interesting nights where I was at like the the same sports facility that they were bringing like their college athletes into. So it would be like me and like a couple of people who are destined for the NFL and the doctor would be sitting there working on my wrist while some other dude has like seven doctors stretching out his back. And I'd be like, you know, I compete. I'm just like you. We're yeah, we're the, same. We're, we're the yeah. same. I'm a competitor. You're a competitor. We're in the, we're in the sports hospital. <laughs> but yeah, like it's something I really, you know, really shaped um, a lot of years of my life. Even to this day, I still I still have pain from it. It's not... It's not something that will ever heal, um, even if I don't play games anymore. And when I do play games, I have to be very aware of when my hand is starting to go. Um, I mean, you'll hear hand all sorts of hand injuries. I have a good friend who's a, a blackjack dealer who deals with carpal tunnel in both wrists. Um, yeah, it's it's a very serious issue, especially if you're if you're seeking this type of game, and it's also it's not something you can reverse very easily. It's much easier to take pre- preventative actions. Right. For. It's, yeah. it's way easier to say like, okay, instead of practicing for eight hours, I'm only going to practice for five and I'm going to like do proper stretches and ice my hands. Well, that's the thing. Right. You can still practice for eight hours as long as in between you're taking like 50 minute breaks and stretching your hands out, right. um, you know, and like, and like just being responsible with it, but you can still practice if you're good at, you know, if you're good at your hands, I guess. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And if you're a PC gamer and I assume the same is true for console based competitive play, like research ergonomics, <laughs> like figure out the <laughs> yeah. correct way to sit, figure out ways to keep your hand on the mouse and keyboard that doesn't put pressure on parts of your hands and wrists. They're small things, but that's, that's how you can try to have that longevity. That's like my worst fear is not being able to play games anymore. I always like <laughs> just randomly throughout work or something. I'll just like, ra- like stretch my hands out, do some little finger twisties and little things. I, just uh, Felipe, I just imagine like if you woke up with a sudden more later. I just imagine if you woke up with like a sudden terrible wrist injury like tomorrow and you went to work at Best Buy. I just picture this scene of you like walking down like the game section like. <sighs> I just reminiscing yeah like just like flashbacks of like oh i used to play these no wrist wrist injuries sports injuries in general are like real serious and it's definitely detrimental if you don't take care of your body when you're playing yeah it's it's i don't know man anyone listening please take that time now <laughs> don't don't follow my tale <laughs> What injuries? Like, how about how many people like also leave just through burnout and stuff too? Like, sometimes I was talking to to Nick before the podcast. Um, like, everybody says like, you know, if you if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But then, if you, and it's only true until eventually you realize you're working and you stop you stop loving what you're doing. Yeah. And it yeah. just turns into it just turns into a job, and you're just you're just playing consistently for sixteen hours every day. Yeah, it's. Like, I like that saying, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But at the same time, work is still exhausting. And when you, the thing you love becomes work, it's really hard to, like, not look at that thing and be like, I'm I'm done with this. I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. But, but I feel like that, like, that goes to show the, I guess, negative connotation of, like, the word work, right? right. Like, you you shouldn't be afraid to like work for the things that you love or the things that you enjoy because it, it should mean more to you and enough to put in like good time to whatever the time is to, to earn something. Right. I think that that's the part that for me, I've always, I've always liked that saying, but I've always just like felt as though like it, it, it paints work in like this villainous light and it doesn't need to, right? Like it, you you can you can enjoy the things that you do and still have them be work and you can just enjoy your work. Um, well, it's turning a career into a job. Like people want a career, but they don't want a job. Right. As soon as as soon as video game becomes a a, a job instead of a career, you that's when people start like that's when burnout starts setting in. Right. And right. I'm sure all of us at some point have experienced like, and I mean I've experience this fairly recently where like i look at the situation i'm like all right i'm gonna take this really serious 
I'm going to go to tournaments. I'm going to practice. I'm going to do all this stuff. And mm-hmm. then, like, you go to your tournaments, and, like, you're placing pretty well. And then instead of, like, the practice paying off and you placing better and better and you, like, winning matches, you end up going to tournaments. You're playing against the same people, and the same people are beating you. And then you start playing worse because, like, you're in your own head, and you're like, crap, now I'm losing to people I was beating last week. What are they doing that I'm not? Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, you look at the game, and you're like, I'm not enjoying my like competition anymore like i'm just going here to well that's well that's the thing right like and and that's where like being objective with yourself like comes into play do you enjoy getting better or did you only enjoy the fact that you were winning no i i definitely agree with that but it's really hard to it's hard for a lot of people to separate the two sometimes it is and like that that probably speaks to an aspect that people don't talk about when they want to to become an esports player, right? Not only do you have to look after yourself physically, but also like mentally, right? Like understanding what it is. You have to understand yourself really well, I feel, in order to make it in anything that you want to like put a lot of time into. Because if you're not objective enough with yourself to say that I'm okay with putting time into this and not having any ROI or like any real like return for a very long time or at least understanding what it is you can do to 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 see a problem change it and fix it because if you're not objective about your problems and your issues you're never going to fix them right you're never going to like address like what the root cause of why you're doing the things that you're doing is right and and that takes a lot of i think like mental strength to be able to say like this is something that i'm bad at and i i have to acknowledge it and it's not it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing it just is a thing, and I, I have to, if I want to move forward, I have to move past this, and how do I do that, right? Right. And there might not be a way for you to move past it at the moment, but it, it, it's, it's a time thing. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's something that you need to, to delve into other aspects of yourself um, and to figure out a way around it or find another strength and lean into that further, right? But those, those things that people do to talk themselves in and out of situations instead of fixing the root cause of problems are probably some of the more detrimental things that they don't even realize they're doing that's holding them back. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like, um, talking about, you know, esports as a career, a lot of the characteristics that allow people to have healthy and happy careers in the business field in yeah anything they do are actually the same characteristics that allow you to be happy and healthy as a competitive player you have to enjoy the process of improving yourself. Right. Because it's yeah. not, it's actually not a fun process a lot. No. <laughs> At least oh, not sucks. for me. Right. Cause you have to constantly be humble enough to say, this is what I need to do better. And then like the, the rewards are great, but it's like the same skill set. You just, a lot of businessmen who, you know, work through their career and work through management levels and end up like running companies actually have the same skill set as those who work their way um, through competitive gaming. It's that idea of like, what's my plateau? What's what's my roadblock? How do I improve myself to get beyond it? And a lot of what D'Angelo was saying, it's just interesting how those, I think the skill set is actually very similar for successful competitive players versus successful uh, career people. The thing that I realized, like, so I would say that 2019, 2018, 2019 was like my my best year when it came to traveling to tournaments and trying to do like the professional grind. And I started to realize that eight hours of practice wasn't what I needed anymore. It was everything that w- wasn't in the game that I needed to fix and work on at a, at a different level that I, I had never focused on before. Mm-hmm. That I was just like, these are the things I need to do to be successful, right? Like, what do I, like the stamina thing, right? Like, I'll tell you right now, hopping on a plane and going to a tournament, coming back, and then a week later doing that again, that'll burn you out quicker than any tournament that's that <laughs> that was insane i i never wanted there was a it was july june july august like i went to a tournament i came back two weeks went to a tournament a week later went to a tournament and i was just like i'm dying like this I, this doesn't feel right i don't like it please help me right like i don't know if, like uh i don't know if, if mike noticed it or not but sure. i was just not like 
I, I had gone to it was like CEO, it was something, it was something CEO and then uh and then Evo, like all in just this really weird short span of time, and it just didn't feel good. But like, how do you do that, right? Like, what are the what is that? What does that have to how do you work on that on that particular aspect, right? Do you go to the gym you... and get stamina? Do you take more flights? Like, do you? Like, how can you prepare for the baby? Like, there's nothing you can do about that. That baby's gonna I... yell at your ear at three o'clock in the morning. There's nothing you can do about it. If you're flying halfway across the world and you're jet lagged, if you're not prepared for that in tournament, there's nothing you can do for that. Like, it's over. I need to. I need to work on my airplane game. So I'm gonna just go ahead and buy like five tickets. And just travel from airport just to travel. airport. Just travel. Just go from airport to airport. Hang out there, like long layover flights, twenty four hours, and then just come back. All right, that's my week of training. I mean, I, mean, I do. Top players do, do that though, so like they figure it out. Top yeah, play, I do. Top think... players also have the benefit of uh, like being sponsored and winning these tournaments, and like actually seeing like some amount of cash flow coming back to them. Right. Whereas like D'Angelo, as as much as I love this man and I know he's good and he's smart and he'll win a tournament one day, he's not making just, any money on this. <laughs> yeah. Like my my idol, or at least like so I don't really idolize a lot of people, right? But the one person that I looked through for inspiration is uh Gustavo uh I forgot his last name. His name is 801 Strider. 801 Strider was the only dude in the Capcom Pro Tour this year um that held down a full-time job the dude like lives in utah doesn't have a scene and he like he he holds a full-time job and on his like interview for um for the capcom pro tour when he made it in he was just like yeah if i win this i'm just gonna remodel my house and i was just (laughs) like that's amazing you're an adult everyone (laughs) no one else here like has the same struggle as you do you're literally tearing your bathroom apart like when you get back like that's insane (laughs) Right. <laughs> so yeah, like, I, you, you see it and it can be done. He's like a pro, he, he's not a professional bodybuilder, but he weightlifts. Right. Yeah. So like you understand that, like the skill that he mastered that allowed him to get to where he was, was time management and being objective with himself. He realized, man, I might not be able to win in like the neutral every time, but I'm going to play a character that's very cheap that allows me to win at least 60 percent of my games. Uh, I'm going to to practice that and I'm going to manage my time efficiently uh, to the point where I can fit everything I need to in a day and not feel burnt out. And he, right. he does it really well. That's the real skill, time management. Yeah, that's a great skill. I wish I knew what that was. <laughs> Once I learn that, I'll be unstoppable, so dude. Yeah, I do I do want to say, and I'm going to, like, this is definitely not a skill I have, but people underestimate how much, like, living healthy and sleeping well I, it helps with all these stamina issues. It, re, it really yeah. does. A lot of, a lot, and <laughs> I think the circles we run in, uh, all of us to varying degrees, know there are a lot of professional players who don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But for those of us like on the cusp, um, which it sounds like we've, you know, we've all had our moments there. We there is a disadvantage to us as we we're not sponsored, right? We don't. We're gonna go work our job between our next shot that we're gonna take at a tournament, um, and we have to we have to discipline ourselves a little more than maybe they have to, um, to make sure we can take the best, the best chance, um, that we can. Granted, I'm horrible at this, but (laughs) it is, it is very much a truth. I think of, um, like jumping into this endeavor. Yeah. I mean, one, like the things that I look at to get better and improve your longevity as a competitor is like, take care of your body, take care of your mind. And, get quality time versus quantity of time like Mm -hmm. in practice i will say when i was younger though like and i didn't treat myself as well as i do now or no i treated myself oppositely how about that uh (laughs) i didn't treat my body very well but all that mountain dew but like i was also young i was 24 i was invincible yeah like i could take it right we're talking about all those 16 hour play sessions we were going through and all the driving to all these events i had no problem with that back then so like it's something you definitely learn. It's not something that comes in eight, and it's not something that you're ever going to pick up starting off. Nobody's going to do that. Sure. Because you're invincible. Why would I have to, please, I'm not eating right. I'm not sleeping for more than four hours. Why would I do that? That's wasting time. And we've we've come full circle to youth versus experience again. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, True. The, my youthful energy allows me to drink Mountain Dew 
and eat pizza and play a video game for 20 hours cons- like consecutively whereas experience tells me i probably shouldn't do that i should just drink water <laughs> and play for eight hours hey right and then you have like the day walkers like i'll tell you right now my superpower is that i can function i can fully function in a day with four hours of sleep so if you give me water and five hours i'm invincible like (laughs) it's over boys like five hours of sleep and water instead of mountain dew and i i'm a lord it's amazing so and yet you come to work and drink a red bull that is true every day I don't have to drink the Red Bull for the first one. I I usually just do it just because, <laughs> the like... The first one is just because I'm an addict. No, I, it might be. It really might be. Like, I could drink coffee. I could not drink it and then drink it at 10. But for some reason, like, it's just, like, I, it's a morning routine. I just get there. I get the Red Bull. I drink it. And I, like, yeah, you've, go. you've built up a habit. Mm-hmm. I, I have. Right. Or, how about this? Red Bull is a major proponent of most FGCs. He's just <laughs> supporting, all right? <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm he's, hedging my bet. Right. He's he's just making it so he's keeping Red the team. They'll sponsor me eventually. Right. That's all it comes down to. He's just being team player. So yeah, so you have to save the tabs, and if you if you send them ten thousand tabs, <laughs> you get to become a Red Bull athlete. That's how that works, right? Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, how Anakin did it. Yeah. Five thousand is uh is like the drone. Three thousand. Yeah, is, is a hat. Ten thousand is Red Bull athlete. That's how that works. Yes. So I'm just working my way, one Red Bull at a time. You know, you gotta, you gotta pace yourself. <laughs> just go over to D'Angelo's house. He opens his closet, just tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm at eight thousand three hundred and twenty-seven. Let's go, Billies. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that was a that was a good talk uh, talking point. That I don't, I don't even know where we went, but we were there. So. Let's let's say uh, I'm an esports competitor. I'm getting old. I'm burnt out. I'm sore. My wrists are broken. I I, I lost <laughs> my leg at some point in all this. Damn, uh, what kind of game are you playing? I don't know, man. Life. I uh, mean, uh, Descent Three is yeah. the game he <laughs> was playing. Um, Brother, you, you play. You got to play something slower. <laughs> so, what other opportunities do, does uh, a professional, former professional? esports competitor what do they have outside of playing their uh, preferred uh game so this uh i feel like this got taken straight from sports right like sports. This, oh this, yeah no, no no this got this is the this is the best like like one-to-one correlation right what does a washed up sports athlete do they become a, they can become a commentator <laughs> they go to they go to espn they get a, they get a job at the desk they become an, an analyst right like yeah, I mean, Shaq did it uh, who it's, else? It's really hard to doubt uh, a caster uh, their uh, their insight when they literally played the game professionally. Right. Yeah. You've played this game at a high level. You know a thing or two about what you're talking about. Like you yeah, probably follow it because you love it. Yeah. And you still have that advantage. Like when you retire from you know professional sports, it's not like you're playing in the first two rounds of like the NFL and then going and commenting the rest of it, right? Um, whereas, you know, you become an esports commentator, you can still jump in, play a couple games. You can still keep that knowledge fresh. You can right. keep that name recognition fresh. I think a lot of people take that path of like hybrid pro for a little bit as they transition out, um, where they, you know, they're still playing in tournaments and not putting up the same results, but you start seeing them in the booth a little more. And then they're like, oh, well, that's where the consistent money is. Okay. And then... mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's very true, actually. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like a lot of those people who like kind of transition out if they still play they uh they're like streaming more right oh yeah streamer is actually a big like can be a big transition out of professional player into like fun player (laughs) what's the thing as long as you're as long as you know because you don't have to be good to stream as long as you're entertaining right Right. but being good is also pretty oh yeah beneficial the thing is if you're falling off right if the whole speed versus experiencing ain't cutting it out for you anymore Experiences ain't, ain't handling it, but if you're still entertaining, yeah, if you're funny, matter. like people will. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll give you um, a like. What's his name? Uh, there was an Overwatch professional, um, who essentially like helped like kickstart like the American Overwatch scene. I don't know if you remember him, Seagull. 
Oh yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, Seagull after retiring from Overwatch League because he he didn't like really do too well, but he he and he knew that he wasn't doing that well, and he realized like I could I could make a lot more money in, in a much less uh, a lower stress environment if I just return to streaming, and he he went back to that because it was uh it was just more lucrative for him, right? Like even like for for melee, right? Like Mango is probably like one of the better um. He's the biggest streamer, but he's also still one of the biggest players. So. Yeah, he's the greatest of all time. Fight me, for I mean, he's <laughs> Probably ranked number two or three right now in the world. So, and he's also happens to be the best streamer. No, 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 no. I don't he, know if you heard Nick. He's the greatest of all time. Being ranked number <laughs> two in the world doesn't mean he's not the greatest of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. It's because the greatest of all time is all of time. While right now he might be number two. Big deal. Yeah, he's still the goat. Yeah, no, it, you're it's the really biggest. Oh, sorry, I just needed to. I as a, as an aside, I don't know whether or not Nick is the biggest Mango fan because he's from Florida or because he just really <laughs> likes getting rushed down. One, like I don't. Mango's I not, need you to explain this. Mango's not from yeah, Florida. Mango's, he's SoCal all day. Yeah, he's what in the? I'm so confused. Two, I I'm a Mango fan because I genuinely believe he's like the greatest player of all time. Like I think. He's done the most with his career and continues to do the most with his career. He does, uh, he definitely innovates. What about PPMD? That's a sad story. That, that dude had it all. And then, I don't know, some illness. I'm not even totally sure what happened with him, but he's out the game. Probably never coming back, unfortunately. Health reasons, knocking players out of the game. Yeah. And then I guess like another thing too, was like, he, he had like a lot of anxiety about competing. Oh, he and totally it would, did, yeah. It would, it would cripple him to the point where, like, if he did poorly in tournament, like, he would feel like he was a failure. And so that combined with, like, his feelings of, like, letting himself and his fans down, because he, he got proficient enough to where he was, like, at an international class level. And then when he wouldn't win, he, was, he just felt like he was letting everyone that was following him down. And that, that's got to be a, a really weird feeling, right? But, I mean, for him to take care of himself mentally, right? Like, that's... That's what he needed to do was just step back from that, right? Like the longevity for him was was much shorter than a lot of people wanted to see, and I'm sure that he he could still compete if he wanted to, but whether or not that would affect him mentally is probably not good for him. Right. And I, I think that that's like that's that I think is 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 really good, right? Because I I, I think he's going to Genesis. Um, I just saw yeah, that, but he's not going to be competing. But he will. He's be not going to be competing. There. But that but that's so like that's a step in the right direction for I him. Agree. Because, like, he'll be able to commentate. He'll be able to, like, cast, right? He'll be able to provide insight, right? And that's, that's like, I guess, like, ex- especially, like, what you're talking here. Like, what does he do now? Where does he go? Um, because you know he still loves, yeah, he's still streaming. He's still doing the thing that he loves. And he can't express that through competition. But there's definitely other avenues that he can, uh, that he can express himself through. Right. Part of the reason that I think that happened for him, though, is because whatever, whatever, issue he had like stamina wise that he couldn't compete very well um and it stopped him from going to a lot of tournaments um unfortunately had the side effect of him only the only tournaments he ever went to was big tournaments he never went to locals or regionals yeah um so he was known as the guy that would show up for like two or three tournaments a year and then he would either dominate or get destroyed but usually he would dominate but nobody could like practice against him because nobody played him he, he would like as nick would say go to the top of the mountain and train um, the gift and the curse right and and you wouldn't hear from him for months and all of a sudden he shows up to one of the biggest tournaments and he'll just like destroy apex 2015 and yep. take everybody down. Um, sure. and then you won't see him again for another three months. Like what happened? Disappeared. No locals, no regionals, no nothing, just only big tournaments because it's all he had. But the problem is when you do don't perform well, or when you, when you don't perform well, you get a situation where all that time was kind of wasted and you feel like you let, let, let a lot of people down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is what you were saying before. But it's only because he couldn't always go to tournaments. Like it was like a, a double edge, or not a double edge sword, it was a catch twenty two. Yeah, so I wanna He's never coming back though, unfortunately. I don't think he's coming back for real. <laughs> no, no. Just so back. matter of fact. He's never coming back. Either. Well, people always want it. That's like the dream, but yeah. he's you gotta let that die, guys. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's done. He'll hang out, catch his streams. That's about as far as it'll go. All right. Uh Mike, you uh you want to add something? Yeah, so I wanna I wanna tell a story here of uh of professional StarCraft 2 player named uh, Chris uh, Loranger. He was known as Huck 
in um, professional StarCraft II scenes, and he retired. Uh, he played for both Team Liquid and Evil Geniuses uh, during his heyday, and he actually um, switched to becoming an Overwatch coach for a while, and he coached mm-hmm. some like B-League teams. But then he was actually hired by the Craft Group, and if you don't know who they are, it is a group of um, investors owned by um, the owner of the New England Patriots, and he is the president of the like Kraft Robert Games. Kraft? Yes, like Robert Kraft. What the? Um, and he is the president of gaming at the Kraft Group, um, and he actually is now in charge of the Boston Uprising, which is a Overwatch the game. Overwatch League, yeah. Holy crap. When did that happen? The... Because I actually hate their style. <laughs> yeah. So they have a they have a terrible habit of of hiring a bunch of players for a season, and then next season they get rid of all of their players and start over um, for the next season, much. and then they do it again the next. So like, I don't even know who's on their yeah I don't even know who's on their fucking team right now because whoever was season one there's probably there's nobody left season one I guarantee you right they're all gone that is the yeah. Starcraft way I mean that sounds very that sounds very patriot. or maybe you know new england teams in general um yeah he so he was hired originally in 2007 um or 2017 sorry as the president of gaming um and then obviously jumped in on that team i am not saying he is good at what he does I, i i honestly don't know i don't know the scene um it's just interesting like professional starcraft 2 player took this journey to now like back end of an overwatch team um, and it's funny because he just sent a tweet out um, that says, un- this is like a, a couple weeks ago because I was just doing some Googling here. A non-trivial number of people I know are living off of returns on human capital. They accidentally created this 14-year-olds. <laughs> it's, there's this other interesting thing that can happen in esports where like a kid spikes a tournament and makes a ton of money and then he goes and lives a life. <laughs> like a life completely away from it. Um, there are a lot of famous StarCraft two players, uh, Idra, who was huge at the beginning of the scene, and then just said, "Competition's not for me. I get too mad." And I think he's like a doctor now, but no. like he made like three, four hundred thousand off of StarCraft during his heyday, and Sick. just got to walk away with that. Um, and he's like a legend <laughs> in the scene, but he did it when he was young. That's like I just remember all the walking. Idra rages. That's the equivalent of like walking into a casino, putting it all on black, winning, and just being like, "I'm out." Right. Yeah. It's like the opposite of like Taffo, because um, uh, Taffikins like worked for NASA, like the Jet Propulsion Lab, and then like also played pretty good melee. Right. He was he was like a pretty really like a really good sheik. He wasn't like top fifty sheiks or anything. He was like he was a solid sheik. Right. Um, and then like so slowly started doing like analytics instead of doing um. Uh, competing as much and he would like he'd be a coach he was a coach for like mango for a long time and then and then he was a coach for like clg for uh for uh sfat and pbu and then clg picked him up as like a manager for a bunch of other stuff and now he's like the general manager of all of clg um for for like acquisition and all that stuff it's bananas and he totally left nasa by the way yeah, somewhere well. <laughs> in the process i don't remember where i think it was during the coaching bit yeah, like um, at at some point he was like, "Huh, you know, people are paying me more money to coach them in video games than I'm getting paid to shoot rockets into space." Right. Uh, I think he at the time he wasn't, but he is now. How about that? Yeah. Uh, sure. At the time he took a he took a loss on a, on a risk that he was really hoping was pay would pay off, and it clearly it did. But like he had a really steady job at the Jet Propulsion Lab, and didn't like he liked it. It wasn't like it was something he he didn't like. But, like, he didn't see a future in it. He was going to be working on the office job forever. Right. And, like, or I can jump into this field, which I already have my foot in the door anyway. Let's see how far this goes. And he fucking now he's he's managing CLG right now. It's yeah. amazing. Managing CLG and playing uh, Tetris 99 on stream. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. One of the better Tetris 99 players. Yeah, and I, I feel like you're going to see so much more of that. Um in the coming years too, like the next 10, 15 years of esports, so many different like diverse careers being made out of it for people who started um, competing. Right. Cause, Cause I, we're, we're kind of any entering like the golden age of like esports where it's like, yeah, this is, this is just a real thing now. Like you can just yep. do this. Well, you don't have to explain to anybody what it is anymore. It yeah. used to be like, 
what do you mean you play video games for money? What, what are you talking about? And now it's like, oh, you're one of those guys. And whether it's backhanded or not, they at least know what you're talking about. Right. So, like, okay, we're at this point. I don't have to explain myself anymore. It feels good. As a quick sidebar to that, in, like, 2014, I remember I was still working uh, at, like, uh, my last job. And I was explaining to one of my coworkers, like, yeah, you know, like, competitive League of Legends and stuff like that. And he, like, just didn't believe me. Like, he was like, no, there's no way. Like, <laughs> and, he's, and I'm like, nah, dude, like, people make, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this shit. And yeah. I, no, no, no. And way. I, like, I don't believe you. He, he, he's, like, very, like, old-timey, like, but, like, he was very accepting of the fact. And I'm like, look, man, like, let's hang out after work sometime. We'll, we'll like, make some make some food, hang out, and I'll put on, like, an LCS, like, uh, VOD. And, he like, I started up, and it, they're doing, like, the pregame commentary and stuff like that, and everyone's, like, wearing suits and everything, and he goes, oh, my God, is this Sports Center? Like, what? Are, what is <laughs> <Yeah>. happening? <laughs> What's well, a pretty good distinction, because, like, people always say, like, he's getting money to play a game, but at the same time, like, football's a game. Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? Why is this guy pay, getting paid millions of dollars to play a game? He's just throwing a ball around. It's literally the same analogy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I want to, like, uh, League of Legends, not the game for me, but Riot has done so much to, like, legitimize esports, and I feel like, like, if you just look at, like, their end-of-year event every year where they, like, make a music video and have a concert and, like have just done so much to make it, like, bring it to that next level. And a lot of other games are doing the same thing, but I feel like they really... Well, they started. I feel like, yeah, it, like, started in Korea with, with the first couple of games, but, and then StarCraft started the blow-up, but then League took it just to, like, this next level that just eclipsed well, Riot, everything else. Riot was the first um, the first developer to put money into their own game's competitive scene. Like, they, they would host their own tournaments. They were the first people doing that. Yeah, uh, Blizzard... And and not just Blizzard, like even back in the old like fucking Quake days, it was all it was all done in like land centers and and it was all third party. Blizzard right. wasn't running StarCraft tournaments; it was other companies running StarCraft tournaments. So like Riot was the first one to do that. We're like, no, we're doing our own. We're doing a whole league. We're gonna do a whole thing, and Shout that's one of the reasons why it got as big as it got. Shout out to ten cent money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it started out with ten cent money, but definitely is now. Which is why uh, the Riot fighting game seems it's very curious and interesting for the fate of the direction of the FGC, the Riot, <laughs> uh, the Riot Blizzard, uh, what is it? The Riot Team Fortress Four game <laughs> is going to be really good, right? Like, what is it? That's that's TF4, right? <laughs> like, we'll call it that. That's going to be really interesting. Like, they're just they're just going ham on it. They have all yeah, the money they want to spend. It's funny. They, I feel like they literally, literally were like, "Hey, Blizzard, remember when you used to be a big deal? We're just gonna do a better <laughs> version of everything you have. Like Hearthstone, forget it. We're making a card game. Riot, Riot Stone Arena, like <laughs> yeah. coming yeah. through. Riot yeah. Stone Arena, Jesus Christ. Just oh, ready to like nuke everything. Yeah, and like honestly, even if I don't play any of the, I'm actually excited just to see like five years from now how big. And there, there's a lot you can say about Riot having shady businesses and mistreating their... Um, there's, like, a lot of articles you can read about that stuff, but... Oh, yeah. What the scene will look like once they get their hands on, like, all the different subgenres of esports that they're, like, poking at now? Oh, yeah, it's... it's nuts. I think that's actually to something watch. to, like, really look forward to. Um, mm -hmm. And to kind of, like, relate it back to the longevity of an esports player... If Riot ends up like their their fighting game ends up like being a blockbuster, their you know shooter ends up like killing it, their card game ends up killing it. What does that say like? What does that do for the rest of the community at large? Like it gets more eyes on each of those genres, and right. more people get to like ride that wave into you know competing in esports. Yeah, and it's also too like it'll be funny to see. Oh, so. A lot of a lot of risk in making a a game, right, comes from the antiquated process of how you make games, right? So like you create a game, you create the content, you make it sixty bucks, you release it to the people, right? 
But league has never been that, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if they apply that league mentality to all of these things and they just make free-to-play games with built-in uh, content that you buy, how does that change? it? The other studios have not done this because they saw no viability in that, right? But if Riot finds a way to make it viable, it makes all of them wrong. Yeah, I mean, I would say other games have started to do it, though. I think there are a lot more games now that have stolen that. um, But Riot is still the king of that. It's definitely not prevalent in in fighting games at all. It's it's and that's like something that a lot of people are are looking forward to, especially in the FGC, just to see how this app will actually change the landscape of it. Because for the longest time, like Capcom has been really stuck in their ways of saying, this is what we do. We make this game. And then release seventeen different versions of it, and yep. you buy all of them, right? <laughs> yep. Like, well, didn't didn't Ki do the the league thing where it was like the game was free, and then you had a rotating cast of characters unless you bought them, but you had yeah. them forever. But like the and problem KI was, was really good, well. but yeah, the, the the problem with Ki was that it was only offered on the Microsoft Xbox One XS yeah. or whatever <laughs> it was. I have no idea, man. It was offered on that thing, and how many people do you know with an Xbox? I mean, about. Like for every one P sorry, for every one Xbox, like four PS4s or something are sold. So like I guess one in yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> I I probably know one person with an Xbox, yeah. It's gotta be. But yeah, no. So like that was the, that was really the thing that held it back is that it, it was gate kept behind um the quote unquote inferior uh com uh console of the Red decade. Wars, homie. Yeah. Quote unquote. Not words. my words. Yeah, I know, man. So we just lost 30% of our viewers. We just lost one viewer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Viewer? Listener. You know what I mean, man. Viewer, listener. It's, it's all the same. It's they all the same. S- they can see us. Oh, man. Well, this has been a very fun episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I think we kind of dove into everything we wanted to talk about. Um, for sure. We went deep. Yeah. Uh, check out more content on QWEsports.com, uh, Spotify, iTunes for other podcast episodes. Uh, hey. Twitch- where, where where can they find us? Well, I just said QWEsports.com, but individually? Yeah, individually. Uh, you can you can uh, find me uh twitch.tv slash monkhb. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Freddy Zero. Uh, I'm on Twitch at Deanthrax, D-E-A-N-T-H-R-A-X-X-X. God. <laughs> uh, you, you can find me there, too. No. <laughs> yeah, he's, on, he's also at... <laughs> uh, search Bonkaroonie, Twitch, Twitter. I got them both. All right. I stream StarCraft from Relive the Glory Days. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.